heaven? No. It's Iowa. Ben, don't try to evade your responsibility. In your parlance, you blew it. You knew the significance of this episode, yet you failed to take adequate measures to protect it. So to you, it was a job, no more. Were it more, and you had the dedication I was led to believe... You believe what you want. You work your side of the street, I'll work mine. Come on now, don't be naive, Ben. We both know how careers are made. Integrity is something you sell to the public. Look, Eric, let's understand each other. I don't like you, but we hope you will like this discussion of Bullet on the Pod of Dreams. Detective Lieutenant Frank Bullet, some other kind of cop. Pity the guy he works for. Lieutenant, don't try to evade the responsibility. In your parlance, you blew it. What the hell is going on here? A high-speed pursuit? Two men are killed? An officer in the hospital? A witness almost murdered? Captain Baker would like to have a word with you. Now listen to me, Lieutenant. I nail him. I want him written off. Do you let anything reach you? I mean, really reach you? Or are you so used to it by now that nothing really touches you? You're living in a sewer, Frank. Day after day. With you, living with violence is a way of life. Living with violence and death. Frank Bullet swinging, you know he's heading for a crash with that wall of official disapproval. But when some rare Chicago blood starts spilling in San Francisco, they hand Bullet the mop. Now, what went wrong, Lieutenant? Who else knew where he was? What? Who else knew where he was? What have you been implying? Well, they knew where to look for him and they used your name to get in. Are you suggesting I disclosed his whereabouts? You believe what you want. You work your side of the street and I'll work mine. Everybody, welcome to the Pod of Dreams. I'm your co-host Ben here, along with Eric. And today we are talking about Bullet, starring Steve McQueen. Now, last week, once upon a time in Hollywood, and the first thing I commented on was the setting, the time and place of the movie, and how wonderful it was. Now that was L.A. 1969, and an incredible recreation. This movie's set in 1968, San Francisco. Different city, but Eric, what did you think of the setting, the the place, the times, the vibe of Bullet? I, I loved it. It had a cool vibe. Uh, you didn't go with the if you listen, we will pod line. We'll, we'll just put that in and post. We'll, we'll dub oh, that okay. in. Oh, okay. Sorry, I, I will try to be a little more disciplined about our branding. My apologies, everybody. <laughs> it's all right. Miss out on some, some quality marketing by us. It's fine. Uh, yeah, the, the, the uh, San Francisco is great. There's a lot of great San Francisco movies, like Vertigo, I think, where it's like you can oh, feel yeah. the city. It's like a great place for movies. Um, Zodiac also is like, you know, like a great setting. It, I mean, and the movie wouldn't work without San Francisco. You know, we'll talk about the car chase, but like, oh, yeah. that is like a perfect place to have a badass car chase. Um, the the vibe of the movie is really like the the vibe, like the pacing of it. I think is it's a slow burn. It kind of builds and builds and builds, and then there's like this, you know, couple of really exciting sequences, but. 
it's like a really chill movie in a way. Um, I actually, (laughs) I watched it late at night the other night. I actually fell asleep and had to like start back up. And and that's, that's not like, I don't take it for anything. I just, it was watching it late at night, but like the movie is very like, like the pacing is very slow. I, I would say. Well, if you're used to modern movies, which have a certain action cadence to get your attention, I suppose so. Um, I, I was on board when we hear that first sound, right? When it kicks in, I can't even recreate it with that. Wow. Kicks in. And we're seeing a really like a, a shootout in Chicago. Uh, I was on board. I, I looked how dingy and gross and kind of nasty San Francisco looked. I mean, there's the hotel where they stay at, which is really, really awful. Uh, but even the police station and the hospital, I was just trying to wrap my brain around the architecture there. It's like the, the hospital had me bugging out. Like, is this for real? Like a, how hospitals used to be? Like it looked like a it looked like a, a like a wartime like battle medic station. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> like, did. It looked it was really like slapdash and awkward. And you're we're just used to movie hospitals looking a certain way, and it doesn't look like a movie hospital that you're used to. It, but, I mean, also, bizarre. is that just a change in the modern times? Like, did yeah. the hospitals in the late 60s just look like that, you know? Yeah. And now, like they, now everything looks clean. I mean, uh, clean and sanitary. That place did not look clean and sanitary at all. Yeah, like, well, we build hospitals. Hospitals are built specifically with, like, being a hospital in mind. And this looked like a building that was built for something else a long time ago. It's like an office building. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, and they tried to make a hospital out of it. It was really bizarre. And the police station, too, was just dingy and gross. Everything's got, like, a dinge of of dust and nastiness around it, which I loved. I mean, it just it was sort of like grimy. Uh, it worked really, really well. It was like, it, it was exactly the vibe I wanted coming off. So, I mean, I picked this movie, uh, you know, and I kind of, kind of wanted to stick around in the late sixties because I was so enamored with what was going on with once upon a time in Hollywood. And I wanted to like, let's see a movie from right around there. And this, this really, really scratched that itch. It's like, this is exactly what I was looking for. This is a place I wanted to spend more time. Um, but it was just, I mean, they're going to a jazz club. It's like, man, that looks really, really fun. He's got a kind of hippie, artsy girlfriend. Um, they go out to eat. Um, this is Steve McQueen, the the bullet of the uh, eponymous bullet. Frank uh, Bullet, so, right? Isn't uh, that his name? Yeah. Frank Bullet. <laughs> the last name is so cool. The first name is so, so, like, it fits. Well, it's like, it, uh, let's name a cop Bullet. You know, that's a little on the nose a bit, but let's spell it like bullet. Let's put an I in there. But this is before all the tropes were just like ironed out and everybody was doing them ironically. We got like a, a good cop, bad cop, totally unironic in this. It was like, oh, yeah, they're just doing it. It wasn't just like the super well-defined trope that we're all super aware of. The, the uh, like captain is giving him orders he doesn't want to follow. You're right. This movie, I think, is responsible for a lot of those like cop movie cliches, but it's like this wasn't a cliche. This is like the first time it was in a movie, which is pretty impressive. You know, no, but for I, me, I like watching it. it in like reverse time is like, oh, I've seen that cliche. Oh, I've seen that. Before. There's a bu- actually a bunch of scenes in this movie, in particular the final scene. You know, we'll go through the movie, but like the final scene at the airport is like, where have I? Se- oh, that's heat. That's the end of Heat. Like, literally, like, almost shot for shot is, like, that final scene at the airport is, like, that's the end of Heat. I've yeah, seen it I, before. I, and I love old airport scenes just it's because it's so mind-boggling. Like, airports aren't like that anymore. Like, you just – nothing that happens in the airport in Bullet could ever happen in 2022. Yeah, the guy switches flights at the last second from – yeah, I don't know. Where is he going to Italy or something like that? And then he switches it over. to Rome and switches to London, yeah. Yeah, it's like – Oh, you go to the front desk. Where is he? Oh no, he switched his flight. Like, well, you could do that. Like, you could just go grab a flight on a, you know, go to a different flight, a different international flight at the last second. Yeah, it's it's unreal. Well, let's I mean, let's talk the plot a little bit. I mean, we've got Steve McQueen is Frank Bullet. He's a lieutenant, a detective, police force. A homicide. I think he's a homicide, homicide detective. Okay. That which we learn later on, which is also made me question some things. But keep going. Sure. Um, he's told that he has to meet some, like, senator. I think he was a senator. Do we know what his yep. exact... Yeah, so the senator, played by Robert Vaughn, I don't even remember his name. You could just think of him as a douchey senator. Uh, meets him at this party, and he's asked to go to this Ch- hotel. Chalmers, wasn't it? Senator Chalmers? Chalmers, there we go. Chalmers, yes. Uh, and they sent him to this really dingy hotel to watch this guy who's going to testify for the senator and a hearing that's a really big deal for the senator because he's going to be able to grandstand and boost his 
you know, exposure. You're politically. led to believe it's like a ma- like a mafia. He's bringing in some surprise mafia witness to testify at like some Senate committee hearing or something. Yeah, like and they that, call right? they heard him the organization. We don't know anything about it, but yeah, it's mob. And the guy's from from Chicago, but he goes to San Francisco. And you know, Frank Bull's got a couple of cops that work under him. They take shifts. It all seems pretty straightforward. But so see, I, you're starting right there. This is where I was confused. Like this, this part of the movie, I was just like, "Hold on a second. Like, first of all, the movie starts with you said the shootout. There's like these mafia guys, and I didn't understand like what that had to do with the movie. You don't know at all. You don't know. You're not supposed to. I didn't know either. Like, you don't oh, know this if guy's there's any connection. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so now we have this homicide cop, and he's babysitting a witness. Like, why is that? I didn't understand why you would assign this cop or this detective to, you know, basically safeguard a witness. And he, McQueen seemed like kind of annoyed by the whole thing. Although he's like, it, I'll do it. Yeah. He was told to do it by his boss. Yeah. Seemed beneath him. He called the babysitting. He's like, ah, oh, we got to do it. And I, you reveal later, it makes more sense that they're doing it because their boss tell him the boss is having him do it because it's like a favor for a politician. Um, and essentially this will help the police department down the road if they can, grease the politician's wheel you know i think the other guy says hey he can speak highly of us to the right people and it'll be really good for us and the so, wit- if i recall correctly the witness's name was something ross he was like anthony ross anthony right? ross right yep. yep so then he goes to this apartment that nobody's supposed to know they're there and they're just watching him was it for the night because he was going to testify the next day it was two days i think or over the weekend or something like that saturday because one of the guys gives him shit like oh am i getting paid overtime for that's this that's right yeah uh, so I think it was a Saturday. It was 48 hours. They had to go through it for, for two days. Um, and they were going to take did, eight hours. Was this guy like the, the the mob guy, the witness, was he under arrest? Was he being charged with the crime? Did we know any of that? He's just a witness. He just, oh, well, I uh, think the implication is that he went to the senator and said, I'll, you know, I want immunity, and then I'll tell you all the dirt on all these people. And the senator, so he go went to the senator for this and said, "I've got, I've got loads of info on high level folks in." But this see, mo- that is confusing, and I'll explain later on why that's so confusing to me. But keep going. No, it's fine. But that's that's synopsis. That's the that's what he wanted to do, and that's why the senator's like, "All right, I need to keep this guy safe. I want to kind of keep him on the down low. I don't want anybody else to know about it, and I'm just going to reveal him in a couple of days, and it's going to make me look really good, and it's going to help my career because I'm going to be able to get a lot of intel on the mob." publicly that's what he wants i mean i think that's correct we let me know if something doesn't doesn't jive no i'll tell you why it's confusing once once you get a little further into the plot well sure but then so one shift goes by eight hours mcqueen's like i'll take the third shift or something so he goes back to his apartment yeah they're taking eight hour shifts aggressively hot girlfriend and she's a a very sexy yes very sexy late 60s long hair it's working on some weird water fixture art project whatever uh yeah i mean they go out to eat he has a good time second cop shows up somebody knocks uh, somebody calls from the front desk and says hey i got a couple gentlemen that are here to see you no no okay so you're skipping things see this is also why i was confused there's a call and they say it's the senator right the center and it's like two in the morning or you know late at night and then the witness guy for some reason unlocks the door to the room and presumably to let these people in and then yep. they kick down the door and shoot the cop and shoot the witness. Yep. Was there ever an explanation why he unlocked the door? Yeah. So here, and this wasn't flushed out very well. Um, I think I, I kind of glean in some of the pieces, but here's what happened. So there's the real witness is the guy right. at the end. So okay. the real witness went to somebody else. I don't know how he knew the guy. I don't know exactly how he convinced him. But the real witness went to somebody else. So let's say I'm I've got all this mob info and I go to you, Eric. He and his wife, apparently, right? Yeah, yeah. So I go to you, Eric. Let's say you look a bit like me or whatever, and I say, Eric, all right, man, you want to make some money? Um, here's a way to make some money. You can. What, I, I don't know how much you offered, but let's say it's. I, it's like a, all his travelers' checks. It was like yes, a bunch of hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. Here's fifty grand, grand yeah. or whatever it is. Like off you fifty grand. What you need to do is you need to go to this hotel at this time. I sit there for a while. At some point, somebody's going to knock on the door, try to visit you. You just unlock them, let them in. They're going to take out the cop, and then you can go home or whatever. Whatever. I don't, I don't know what all he told. 
But that was a double cross on the real witness because the real witness knew that guy was going to get killed. Because that guy um, who does unlock it is really weird. He like lingers by the door and he's not scared at all. Like he should be scared. Somebody might want to kill him. Because you really don't does. know any of what – if you haven't seen the movie, what Ben just said is not explained until like an hour and a half later. Right. So. It's, a, it's a more of a detective than an action movie. It's more of a like we're police procedural than action movie with a, one big exception. I found and it very confusing. but it, it, it is. It takes a little while and it, it doesn't explain it super well. Um, you got to kind of fill in the pieces. But that guy unlocks the door and he ends up getting shot. But the real plan is that the real witness is just using that guy to pretend to be him. So that he can abscond to Rome or. But why London. didn't he? Why did he need to do any of that? Again, was he? Was this? That's why I'm so confused by the plot. Because if the real witness, so the real witness guy is the guy you see in the beginning of the movie, right? Yep. He he's the one that like kills the mobsters. He throws a grenade or whatever. He kills all these he just guys. Runs away. Yeah. Runs away. So presumably in Chicago, presumably from there he flies to pays this guy and his wife to to pretend to be him flies to San Francisco also, so they both get to San Francisco somehow, and then the fake guy goes into custody from the police. But why not just leave? Like, why do this whole facade of this, I'm going to testify with the senator, and, like, if he just wanted to get out of the country, just leave. He didn't, he, want, them to look, he didn't want them to look for him. I mean, you can debate the logic of that, but he wanted the he wanted mob to fake to his own death, basically? So the mob wouldn't go after him, right? Because if he's, if he's testifying against the mob, if he stole $2 million from the mob. Right, so that's why he had to leave the mob. He'd already stolen two million from him. So the mob was going to come after him anyway, and he wanted them to think he was dead. Because the mob's going to your your plan is to go to Italy to escape the mafia. Well, fine, that's fine. I sure. But if they think he's dead, they're not looking for him. They don't know who he is. So that's that's his plan. That's well, his logic is. I think there think might be a gangster or two in Italy, maybe one or two. Yeah, but they think he's dead, so they're not going to look for him. Like, oh, it's a different Anthony Ross. Whatever. But I, I know this is, like, not at the time of, like, forensics, but, like, you would find out pretty quickly that this wasn't the, the real guy, right? Like, yes, they faked his passport, I guess, but, like, it, would there be no further investigation to confirm that this was the right well, person? Well, I, I think according he to He also then logic, had to kill the guy's wife, who was also in San Francisco, Ross's Oh, yeah, there, wife. there are some loose ends, and he creates a trail of breadcrumbs, but... um. It seems unnecessary if his one goal is just to leave the country. I don't know. Well, I don't, his one Maybe goal isn't to leave the country. His, no, his one goal isn't to leave the country, though. You can fight the logic of going to Rome. Fine. Should, go to somewhere else. Fine. Uh, but his logic was he also wanted to fake his own death. He wanted everybody to think he's dead. Now, here's part of the logic of the movie, and again, this you can take umbrage with it, but he believed that if the witness was killed and the senator was, you know, he was in the senator's custody, the senator would bury it. Um, the mob was here he about the one that country. actually broke in and killed the other guy. Who are the, who are the people that broke into the apartment? The, the guys that died in the car crash. Okay, that's right. So he hired these other guys too. I assume. Yep. Okay. He paid just some hitmen. Boy, from somewhere that seems like a big. Home. Oh, it's it's complicated. His plot yeah. is his his plan is very complicated. It's got a lot of loose ends. But I think that's the logic. So at one point, you know, Bullet says uh, he pretends like the witness is still alive because he says. Right, because they dead, think this is the real witness that was just killed in their custody. Correct, and the senator thinks he's going to be blamed for it, and it's going to make him look bad. So Frank Bullock's logic is, i, I got to hide him, because he's going to try to bury this investigation. And, and I need to done. find out who did this. And nobody, yeah. will, try to, yes, and yeah. nobody will try to look hard for him. Um, so again, con- the dude's plot is very convoluted. There's no way around it. It's... So he really like, sends the body to the morgue, but switches the name or whatever... So, yeah. and then he brings a, a different body to the hospital, right? Um, no. Or, or they're, so, already at, they're already at the hospital, right? So they take him to the hospital. So, they step back. So the witness is still alive, but in critical condition. They take him to this funky hospital, which, again, I assume that's how hospitals looked in the late 60s. I mean, I hope so. That's way more interesting than if they made it look weird arbitrarily. But uh, he's not doing well. The doctor's doing his best to keep him alive, but he said it's a 50-50 shot, and at some point the guy dies at night. The senator's left, and Bullet says, all right. Um, After he does some, pulls some racist bullshit on the doctor, like wanted a, wanted a different doctor because oh, he senator. was black. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yes, the senator. Yeah, I was like, I was like, what did Bullet do that was bad? No, 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 no. the senator guy goes, he wants a different doctor. because the... He wants his own people, yeah, I don't yeah. trust him. Even though, by all accounts, the guy did the best he could, but Guy dies and he says, "Hey, we gotta 
figure something out. We got to like hide this guy. Can you help me? And the doctor says, yeah, we can lose his record. And then they put him in a body bag and list him as Jane Doe or John Doe. Um, so like they, he pretends it's an unidentified body in the morgue. So he takes the body, the, the body is in a morgue somewhere listed as John Doe, not as the actual name of the witness. And he doesn't tell anybody where the witness is until later. Um, and they think he's just hidden the witness who's still alive somewhere. It's what they think for a day or so, however long that is. Yeah, his captain tells him, and then his like captain's boss tells him, and he hangs up on him, and so Bullet goes rogue completely. Well, sort of. What I love about so there's a lot of things that I like about this movie. Frank Bullet is not like uh, really ostentatious. He's very kind of plain spoken. I think his performance is really good. It's really subtle. It's not flashy and oozing charisma. Uh, but mostly just goes through does like some pretty solid logic police work is what happens. He's not doing anything too crazy until we get to the, the car chase scene where that's, that gets really nuts. Um, but when his direct boss orders him to tell the information, he does. When his boss says, tell me where the body is, that's an order. He does it immediately. He doesn't press any further. He's like, all right, this guy's in my direct command told me. And I tell him not until then. Um, and if his boss had asked earlier, he would have he would have told him earlier. I like that. I mean, he's just I mean, he's doing everything pretty much other than hiding the witness because he wants to figure out who did it. He's doing everything by the book, trying to get stuff done, trying to figure stuff out. I really like it. I mean, I like the the chess match of all of this. Is he has to just work through it logically, and just be smart, um, and just figure it out. And it's a really weird convoluted twist ultimately. And yeah, the why the guy did it is I, it maybe wasn't worth all the trouble from his part. A lot of too many loose ends, too many hard parts, but that's what I really like about it is him, him figuring this stuff out. Um, yeah. Cause then, so bullet then finds out that once he gets the passport, that the guy actually came in with a woman or that he tried to call a woman. And then Robert Duvall's in the movie as a cab oh, yeah. driver for like no fucking reason. And, I'm like, what? What? Robert well, Duvall's... this is before he's famous. This is like before even THX, buddy. This is before his THX big star turn. Yeah, he's, he's like three years away for like two years. I was just THX. expecting there'd be some payoff with Duvall, and it's he's literally but, just the cab driver. That... And he just rides around, and they yeah. ride around. He's like, all right, I want to follow the routes and kind of try to figure this out. Like, how long was he in here? How long was he here? And he just drives around and took the route the guy took. And then he finds the the killer guys. You know, and and well, I mean, them. I love that scene. Like it was, it was tense. There wasn't a lot of action, but like, so he he realized there might be another hit on on the witness who hasn't died yet, and he posts, you know, one of his other guy to guard the body, and then that guy tells, you know, asks where the witness is who's been shot, and then you know, hospital worker calls bullet and says somebody was asking me about somebody with a bullet wound, and unfortunately, I did tell him he was on this floor, and they get this like fun game of cat and mouse as they're in this really really gnarly i mean there's so much stuff about like way things look it is their choices anybody would make again um it looks really really gross uh, and they like pursuing him through the basement and like almost the bowels the of the building yeah yeah and it's just really tense and exciting um not much happens but um it, it was really really good and then he you know the guy the witness ends up dying anyway and then um you know, he starts to get a description they do the good cop bad cop routine with the guy that works at the hotel is really, really, really funny. I mean, I'm just not used to the good cop, bad cop deployed unknowingly, like not tongue in cheek. Uh, this is really, really fun to see it. Just like, oh, we're just doing it. And then it turns out that that woman is killed at the hotel, right? The the real Ross's wife, or the, I guess yeah, that, not Ross, the, the fake witness's wife was is murdered. Yeah, and, and there's a, there's some emotion that goes in there because he he doesn't get a car anymore because one of the there's there's competing motivations inside the police department. His boss is like a we're gonna do things correctly. We care about getting to the truth of the matter. And there's another guy who's like, hey, why don't you help the senator out and we can That's make this, like his know. boss's boss, like the well, they're chief both of captains. Police. They're both captains, so I couldn't tell who. Well, I guess it must be the chief. I think that one guy was the chief of police. The, okay. And he's like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta work with this guy because he'll help us. And then that guy ends up like denying bullet access to cars anymore. But it's after the car chase, so he has to get a ride from his girlfriend and her like hippy dippy beetle or whatever that is. And uh, she sees police sirens pull up to the hotel where she gave her cop boyfriend a ride, 
And she runs in thinking, you know, you might have gotten hurt. And she sees the woman die. And then she just has a conversation like, I don't know how you do this, man. Like, your worlds are so far apart. You just live with this. And he's very stoic throughout the movie. And he barely seems to react. He does. There's some, some key facial texts here I, I and there that I think are really telling. It, that's my biggest problem with this movie is is McQueen like literally like I knew his, you were gonna complain about how boring acting, he is. I, what like why do people think he's some charismatic movie star? I, I really don't get it. He does some good like eye stuff like eye work. There's a bunch of scenes where he's just sort of sizing up the situation and his eyes are moving back and forth. You can just tell that he's trying to figure it out. Like he doesn't talk a lot. Uh, cool turtleneck. He wears a cool turtleneck. I'll say that. Like, drives a cool car. But like, who said he's a charismatic movie star? That's a, all the stuff I'm reading about Steve McQueen. Is he's like the epitome of a movie star, the coolest guy ever. It's like, what do you? Honestly, this is. I was gonna have this discussion about Steve McQueen, but my biggest comp to him is Paul Rudd. Like. Maybe, maybe know, I don't know if people know what your hatred of Paul Rudd. Not a huge uh, Paul Rudd guy, but so like that's, that's really damning. Talentless, uh, like just a talentless kind of affable guy. Like okay, he nothing special. He's not funny. Uh, people think Paul Rudd's funny. I don't find him all that funny. Steve McQueen can be charming, I guess, but he's not like comical. I don't find See, him. Funny. He wasn't trying to be funny, and I don't know that he was trying to be charismatic. But I, 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 you know, like I've seen The Great Escape. In that movie, he's supposed to be like this cool guy who like you know says fuck off to the Nazis, and he goes in the the lockbox, the is- isolation solitary room, over and over again, and throws his ball, and it's super cool. And like I didn't get that at all from that movie. I I just maybe I'm just missing the Steve McQueen thing. I well see. About all the stuff you probably didn't like about his performance, I did. I liked that there wasn't a lot of talking. There were virtually no one-liners here anywhere. You like one-liners way more than I do. You like cool quips. I, I don't care. Just some good writing, maybe. I don't know. Like I see. I think the writing's really good here. Um, just because he doesn't say a lot doesn't make it bad writing. Um, maybe the guy's weird plot is too convoluted, but um, there's a lot going on with his performance that I think. Yeah, I mean he's. But and then the stuff with his girlfriend too. I didn't think that landed well either. Like she sees the dead body and freaks out, and he's like, you know, takes her off, and they pull over and have this heart to heart. It's like, why are we doing this? Like two hours into the movie, now we're gonna have this like heartfelt discussion about should he keep being a cop? Like what? I was just it it, wasn't really a heart to heart. She just expressed her emotion, and he hardly said anything. He said like what two or three lines in response to her. She, she was trying to process this stuff and she doesn't get how he does it. And he obviously has to, you know, suppress it all. He just doesn't react. He is kind of dying inside. Um, and you see later on at the end of the movie, there's just a small little payoff. It's not massive. It's not much. It's not a big eloquent speech after all the chaos at the airport and some random guy who security guard gets shot. Just one little facial tick. One little move with his mouth, and he's kind of realizing that she made some good points, and uh, it's great. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I like his performance way more than you. It's I, I think really understated and works. Um, he's not flashy. I, I I don't know if people think he's a big charismatic movie star. I, I guess I've never heard that. Um, he seems like a guy that's acting more than he's being a movie star. Um, and I guess yeah, it doesn't. He doesn't seem like a traditional leading man. He's not like classic Hollywood handsome. And he's not quite. Not quite new Hollywood either. Not cinema verite. It's something else. See, I, uh, you know, I, I'm not the biggest Clint Eastwood fan. Like, I, I don't love his directing the movies he's directed, but like, he's a great leading man. If this is a Clint Eastwood movie, I think it's a better movie. Like, you know, I mean, Dirty Harry is basically this, or you know, a lot of his movies after uh, after see, Dirty see, Harry. Clint Eastwood's just so overtly Magnum macho or, in a way that Stephen Queen isn't, which I liked. I mean, he would just be a lot tougher, a lot more grizzled than McQueen would be. He'd be something. I mean, there's nothing to this guy. Like, literally, there was... He's other a run than of the he's mill quiet. Cop. Yeah. He's a run-of-the-mill cop. He does his job quietly and pretty well. Uh, you going to build a movie around that? Okay. All right. It worked for me. Obviously, it didn't for you. I liked it a lot. It worked for a lot of people. Well, the other, thing, you, but... the other thing you're just skipping over is the car chase, like, which is, oh. I think, the reason to see this movie. I mean, oh, sure. It'd be the I'm reason I recommend that for the it. End. Okay. It'd be the, yeah, it's, I'm saving it. It's of course like one of the best parts of the movie. It's it's an insane car chase. So he, he realizes he's being tailed by these guys, 
And he starts kind of like leading them around the streets of downtown San Francisco. At one point, he loses them, and they look around, and they're like, oh, I guess we can't follow him anymore. And they start driving away, and then he appears in his car behind him. And then what follows is just utter insanity. I mean, it was just chaos as they're swerving through downtown San Francisco, the, the hills that you've seen in movies before, just everywhere, going nuts. It's dangerous. It feels reckless. Bits of the car fly off. Yeah, when it initially starts, the guy takes a turn and the hubcap flies off, and there he hits this corner and the, the screeching tires. And, I mean, you you got the camera inside the car, you got some cameras outside the car. It's one of those like you forget you're watching a movie, and it's you're just like a hundred percent enthralled in in the action, and you don't know what's gonna happen, you don't know who's gonna you know come out on top, and it's 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 like really the best car chase maybe I've ever seen in a movie. It's incredible. It's up there. It's it would it would certainly crack a top ten conservatively. No uh, CGI, it, no computers, no green screens, just like real cars smashing into things and and it feels like it's chaotic, but also feels kind of awkward and and just crazed because it just feels very very real. I mean, people are about gonna die and people have to swerve out of the way and so it occasionally cuts to. Both Steve McQueen and then the the two guys that he's chasing, two guys who committed the murder, and also shot his cop buddy. And uh, I love it that there's nobody says anything, but you can see in their facial reactions how how it goes. At one point, the bad guys think they might have lost Steve McQueen, and one guy just kind of smirks. You can see the guys getting kind of like a little bit anxious at various times. Not much, just a little bit, but you can see it. You can see the like look of worry, but also determination on Steve McQueen's face. And it really, really works. And it works because also in some ways it's awkward. At one point, one of the guys tries to shoot out the window and he's trying to awkwardly lean out like the triangle part of like the yeah. driver's side. And it's like, oh yeah, this isn't a car that was built to be able to like maximize your opportunity to shoot outside. It was just like the guy awkwardly trying to get an angle to shoot. And I was like, oh yeah, this guy didn't plan on doing this. And he's just doing it spur of the moment um, before they end up careening into a, a gas station i don't know what it was the big explosion i don't know what what caused the big explosion but then then we just see them burning alive in the bottom of the car a face down i mean just just great stuff yeah i read i read a little bit that mcqueen was like the driving force behind it didn't didn't mean to put the pun in there but um that he wanted this like epic car chase scene he wanted it to feel real and you know, unlike anything they've see, seen in movies before, he, I guess initially he was going to do all the driving, and then they, according to this thing I read, they did a take and and he crashed the car, and they're like, all right, no more, you're not driving anymore. So then they had a stunt double do it. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't really. I, it's hard for me to articulate why the the car chasing like the, there's no there's no score, there's just the sound of the tires, no talking, no dialogue at all e- either. It's just this right. like really suspenseful, intense chase like on the streets of San Francisco that feels like, you know, they did, it doesn't feel like they shut down the street for like the production of this is like, they just drove cars and filmed it is what it feels like. Yeah. And you really don't know exactly. It does feel real. Um, it's great. Yeah. It is, it is one of the best. And it probably, there probably hadn't been anything like it before. There's been probably some stuff afterwards. When is the French French connections a few years later, three, right? Three years later. Okay. It's 71. I mean, so that, it, the, that car chase is pretty amazing, that's too. That's up there, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're just stealing it from this movie, though, really. Yeah. Sure, sure. Potentially, yeah. This is maybe where the super exciting car chase originated. I don't know if somebody else could verify that. But, yeah, I, I don't know where you'd go to find a more exciting one before 1968. If it's there, well, yeah, if it's there, let us know. I mean, Wages of Fear before this but it's not a car chase per se but anyway this is great so yes it is it is the reason why even if you don't like steve mcqueen i think the plot's kind of boring and confusing and subdued uh you would still get something out of this movie it, it is a no matter what yeah it's the it's great no matter how else you feel about the rest of it I, so I like the the witnesses die or the the killers die and then the police chief doesn't even believe that they had anything to do with it, or at least the senator tries to make the argument because the bodies were burned, and he's like, well, they had a gun. They were shooting at me. and So he still like doesn't prove his case, even though he's, he had gotten this crazy... No, it actually problem. hurts his case. Yeah. It does, it does, and the film makes it clear about that. Like He actually... It didn't end up helping. It made his life harder. 
He loses his vehicle after that. He doesn't get to have a cop car anymore, which makes sense. It's probably a real consequence you would experience after doing that. And nearly get a bunch of other people killed. They don't have witnesses. They can't do anything about it. They can't identify the bodies. It's a problem. He makes his life more difficult. And he's really got, he's supposed to lose the case at that point, but he's got the cop, you know, the captain who likes him beside just rid of habeas corpus, which I don't, you know, we're both trained as attorneys. That just mean, what does the rid of habeas corpus from a senator mean? It would be like, you'd have to release the person, right? Isn't that like a prison, prison release order? You'd get a judge that would order the release of a. And so he had the rights to the prisoner because he was in his custody. custody, Yeah. And he's a senator, so he's able to get a judge to say that. Okay, right. that's that's what happened. Okay, I was really confused, like about that point. Like, what does that again, mean? Would the senator not have, so is the senator never seen this witness guy? Correct. We know that for sure. I'm pretty sure he might have seen him briefly, but he doesn't know what he looks like. So he just knows. See, here's this guy, Anthony Ross, who high up in the mob stole two million from the mob, and now he wants immunity and protection in exchange for testifying. So he'll testify, but you keep him safe. Uh, and he, I, he, if he met the fake witness, he might have met the fake one before. He, I don't know, but he didn't ever see what the real guy looked like. He had no idea. Or they looked close enough. So how did they know where he was? Where the where the fake witness was? How how did the killers know that he was at that apartment? Do we ever find that out? I assume that the real witness, the real mob guy, told the hitman that he's going to be at this hotel because. Remember, if you're if you're a fake witness, Eric, and I say go to this hotel, as it, I know what hotel you're at, and then I can say, hey, murder you, you two guys. That, go murder that this what, guy. the, he just met him at the hotel. They they just met the cops met him at the hotel, so he wasn't in custody at all. Um, I mean, what do you what do you mean by custody? But he he he's technically under the senator's protection. The senator says, great, all right, you testify this public hearing on Monday, whatever the date is. And I'll be at this hotel. Safe. Come to, hey, this go to this hotel? hotel, and I'll have people come and look after you. And then he has. Then he has cop. the fake guy go. Then he just. Well, tells... the senator doesn't have the fake guy. No, 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 I know, no, but but the the real Ross has the fake Ross go to the hotel. Correct. He said, "All right, I'll go to this hotel." That's what happens. Yeah. It's fake. So fake Ross goes to the hotel, and he's just sitting there. Get, Wouldn't there have been easier ways to fake your own death? I mean. I don't know, man. I have really not thought about how I would yeah. fake my own death. I, I haven't really given a lot of thought. It's a nitpick for me. I don't. It, it. I, uh, the, I, so see, the other part of the movie I did really like is the airport chase. Well, of course, the, the two really action good. sequences. Yeah. Basically, two. Well, there's there's kind of two and a half because I also really the moment there's action. I think it's all really good. Uh, it does come hotel, out of nowhere, hospital. though. You're just like, oh, okay. Now this is like suspenseful. Well, the hot the hospital scene worked really well too. I mean, I thought that was really really exciting. Um, also. But yes, the also running around dodging airplanes yeah. and the craziness on in the, the airplane is also oh, yeah. really this exciting. Guy, how do they do that? They went, one guy's hanging from the plane. It's like, what the hell? Yeah, they both drop down and he's just like looking in the dark and it's really, really tense. and He can't see anybody, but he knows he's out there somewhere. The guy's just like panicking and trying to run away um, and eventually gets back. But there's just door. He just runs back into the airport and tries to get lost in the crowd. Uh, I mean, it's just unreal, um, both in terms of tension and execution, and also because yeah, airports have not been like that for most of my life. It just just would not be possible any almost any of the stuff. Um, but then, like you know, they, he almost gets away because they go to the plane that's going to Rome, and you know, he says he's not on there. They're waiting for him. They don't see him. We're looking for a confrontation, and I guess it's his instinct where he's like, "All right, did he switch flights?" And he realizes in the last second that he switched to London. And he asked or figured it out. And stops the plane, um, you know, that's about to take off. And I don't know, I guess if you're a homicide detective, you can do that just by showing your badge. This is all in the air where I guess if you just show your badge, like everybody does what you want. Every, anytime he goes anywhere, he's like, ask the question, like, I can't reveal that information, sir. And they flash at the badge. I'm like, oh, okay. Right, right this way, sir. And let me take you to this hotel room. I, I, I don't know if that's what it was actually like for cops in the 60s, but. Um, Another one of those tricks, like just you show the badge and then everybody acquiesces to what you want. Like, all right, fair enough. But yeah, I mean, all the action's great. I mean, it's it's not Die Hard, but that okay. A few movies are Die Hard. Um, I, it, it hit the spot for me. All those action sequences. I like that it was more tense than just a shootout. Um, 
You know, it felt like there were real stakes to well, real lives involved. I, I, think, I think a lot of that's because, like, you get so numb to the action in modern movies that, like, oh, wow, this actually feels different than well, uh, yeah. Fast and the Furious or whatever it is that comes out now. That's true. I mean, this, this, yeah, I mean, this is, I, I set out to to soak up more vibes from the late 60s, and it, it worked for me. I mean, I was, I was loving it. I was like, this is exactly the movie I wanted. Uh, I, I don't care that the villain's plot was really, really convoluted, and it wasn't flushed out super well in the narrative. You know, it's just a few lines here or there, and you kind of kind of fill in the gaps with logic as best you can to have it make sense. Um, but yeah, I just this, the Steve McQueen thing. I I am not fully getting it. I, I don't understand. I mean, I have only seen it in one movie, and I don't get the vibe that this guy's a movie star. And I I mean, I don't know. He much was else. though. Well, he was in a I, okay. A lot of people in a lot of movies, and I don't know, the 60s and 70s were a weird, weird time for movie stars. Um, but you can be in movies a lot and not be, you know, a charismatic, you know, not be Brad Pitt, right? He's not Brad Pitt. He's just not that kind of guy. Brad Pitt didn't say a lot in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but when he did, it was on point and clever and funny, um, heightened in the way that Quentin Tarantino makes everything. And he just looked cool in every step. This guy didn't look cool. I liked... It was cool to me how uncool he looked. I like how he just looked like a boring, run-of-the-mill cop who's pretty good at his job, um, doesn't like politicians very much, um, and is smart and good at his job. I, th- I like that. That resonated with me. I, it's the thing I don't. I don't see that in movies. Every every cop's got to be really, really tough. I read this weird deal about how Steve McQueen died. Okay. Because I guess he died pretty young from mesothelioma. But, like, uh, apparently after he was diagnosed, um, he went to, like, Mexico to have these, like, weird treatments. There was, like, something about coffee enemas and stuff like that. Like, all these, like, against doctor's orders. He was doing all this, like, experimental shit. And then he had some experimental surgery done, and doctors told him, and then he died. He was, like, he just, like, disappeared to Mexico to have these, like, unproven treatments done on him. I was like, wow, that's weird. This big movie star. I guess if you're just desperate and you're like, you have the resources. I mean, isn't that Dallas buyers club to a certain extent? You know, I can't get these drugs. So I got to get them from elsewhere. And, yeah. Uh, that was more of a cost thing, but th- this, you know, I would assume for him, it wasn't a cost issue. They're saying he's paying like $40,000 a day or something like that for these treatments. Well, there's that bullet money. You know, <laughs> I guess so. I mean, this movie was a hit for sure. I mean, this people loved it in the late sixties. Like, yeah, they didn't. They didn't have Quentin Tarantino movies yet to compare it to, but um, maybe they just didn't know better. But see what you did there. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I. It's. I, I think I, I liked. It. I was a lot more emphatic about this movie than you are. I'm, I'm bummed you didn't didn't like it more, Eric. I, I thought you would. But uh, I, I really liked a lot of parts of it. The the you know there's I'm super glad I watched it. I mean, it's not like I'm mad that I I watched it. Sure, it's uh, ahead of THX one one three eight. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Robert, this is our third Robert Duvall movie, by the way, in in the Pot of Dreams. Um, the the cop stuff, I you know, like the the faxing of the of the photos, I thought that was kind of funny. He had the giant phone he put on the fax machine, and he had to take oh, this yeah. like big printer cartridge just to get one picture. Oh, all the old technology, took, like yeah, forty minutes. Yeah, the old cars, the old buildings, everything about it was just really really gnarly. So, all right. I mean, let's just uh, give me your letterbox rating because I, 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 I may or may not have more to say, but I want to hear your letterbox rating. How, how bad's the damage? I give three and a half, three and a half stars. Oh, okay. Three and a half thought. for me is like I liked it. There were things about it I liked. There's also things that kind of bugged me, maybe nitpicked too much about. Um, would recommend it. Definitely recommend checking it out. But I don't, I don't know if I'd ever watch it again. You know, I, I oh, definitely see. YouTube the car chase scene again. Like that, that shit was gnarly, but. Um, other than that, I don't know if I'd watch the entire movie. Like I said, I did. I did. If I'm being honest, I did fall asleep at one point watching it. It's funny, I watched this late at night, and you know, I've got a new baby, and I'm getting like three or four hours of sleep a night, and I did not fall asleep. Um, oh, tough guy. This. Tough I, guy. I, I loved it. Uh, it was very, very, very exciting. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, right now because it, it really was exactly the movie I wanted it to be. Different. I mean, I love that movies change through the years. 
and that we just haven't been making movies the exact same way. Some of the tropes have been used for, in some cases, probably a hundred years, but it's very, so much about this is different. San Francisco doesn't look like that anymore. Cops aren't like that in movies anymore. Um, there aren't really car chases like that. I mean, I was trying to think of, so we're talking about before 1968. I, I don't know. I mean, so the best vehicle chases in the 21st century to me is Mad Max Fury Road. I'm trying to think of what Ro- other... T- Ronan's got a killer car chase. Have you ever seen that Robert De Niro Ronan movie? Um, is that 21st century? Is that, did it come out in the... Ooh, it might be, it might be in the 90s. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that might be a 90s movie. The, yeah, because the, they're definitely... Born movies, the Born movies are 21st century. Yeah, the yeah. The first Born movie's got a cool car chase in okay. it. Okay, so there might be some in there, but I'm just like, I don't think there's any too many movies that are modern that have... I mean, I have not seen all the Fast and the Furious movies, but I would I take have. this car I chase... Have. I would take this car chase over any of the ones I've ever seen in Fast and the Furious. <laughs> that was going to be my next... I was, uh, that was going to be my next... There, there's some decent ones in there. I don't... There's not any as good as this. But they're cartoonish and silly, and they're kind yeah. of fun because they're like basically yeah. superhero s- stuff at that point. This, this worked because it felt so real. I mean, real. there's one where they drive a safe through a city, and then... I think that's is that the one where they jump out of the car while it's flying off a mountain? Is I don't there know. one with a tank? Flying? There's I mean, anyway. definitely a tank for sure. Uh, it's like anyway, yeah. I mean, that, there's that's one where the rock, and it's all CGI, gra- so like basically grabs a helicopter and like pulls a helicopter down. That might be no, that's a Fast and the Furious movie. I'm pretty sure. No, that's just uh, see, like okay, I, I would take this over that anyway. Um, Next week, uh, Fast Eight, we're doing on the Pod well, Dreams. We can I'm do just, Fast just Eight. Kidding. It's I'm probably just kidding. fine. Just kidding. I, I probably feel about Fast Eight. How you feel about Bullet? Um, you probably fall asleep. Uh, you know, it's possible. Yeah. I just wouldn't feel real, or if you're like, whatever, they're gonna solve the problem with CGI cars. Well, Jesus Christ, what's the rating here, man? You're uh, four you're, and a half because I hit oh, the right wow. spot. If if uh, so if higher coming, than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well, right. Well, that's where it's funny. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood really made me want to soak in the vibes of this movie. If you know, it cooled off and I weren't seeing it off the heels of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I were just seeing it as part of just a regular diet of movies, it would probably be a four. Four might be the actual honest one, but because because of the time and place that I saw Bullet, it really resonated with me pretty deeply. We're not that far uh, off. We're pretty close. No, I, I think so. Um, the, the Yeah, the, the plot isn't flushed out probably as well as it should yeah, be. Yeah, that, that would be another uh, docking a star for me is that I was just utterly confused. It, it's, it is confusing and it doesn't all make sense. It doesn't, it's not art house and that it's ignoring plot altogether. It's just executing plot kind of awkwardly and poorly. It needed um, some exposition or something. Uh, and yeah, may, may, actually, maybe that would have confused me more if somebody was explaining. I'm like, wait, huh? That, yeah, you uh, need the police chief explaining this to somebody else or the captain explaining to the police chief. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I love the way it looked. I love the way it felt. I love all the, there's basically three actiony pieces. I thought were all, I mean, not, nothing is as good as the car chase, but the other two were also very, very good. Very, very exciting. Very, very tense. Um, and, I, and I like Stephen Queens. Uh, he might not be a great actor. I don't know. I haven't seen the greatest game. I'm going to watch it. It's on HBO max. I'm just going to watch it for fun. Um, I liked the movie. He's okay in it. It's more of but, an ensemble. Sure. You yeah. know, he's not like the main guy in the movie. But I like how plain and boring he is. I mean, he you're right, Eric, that he would not get casted as a star in, I don't know, post-80s uh, onward Hollywood. He's Paul Rudd he's not, to me. He's Paul he's Rudd. Not, well, Paul Rudd's like charming and likable for everybody but you. I, I don't know that Steve McQueen was even that. He's just like very, very, very like dull. I mean, I you, you, you that's bad for you, but I liked how un. It's just not how you'd ever have a cop in a movie. They would have to be like snarkier or jaded or cooler. They either be antihero. They have to be really, really likable or charismatic or like The Rock or something obnoxious. This dude felt just like a boring old cop doing his job. Well, other than he's an insanely incredible car driver. Uh, otherwise, nothing he does is it's just like, all right, we're just going to position guys. Does he ever out. shoot his gun in this movie? For a guy, named, does he even pull his gun out? There, the was a, the there was a Not bunch of times end. I'm like, why don't you pull your gun? Like, what are you doing here, dude? Do you even have a gun? He shot, so he shot the guy at the very end. 
So that in the that's, oh, that's very, right. Yeah, through the glass, through the uh, door. Yeah, it's the glass in a door. very impactful, meaningful shot, and it also lingers on his face afterwards. But I don't think he it, pulls his gun ever before does that. He, he does he pull it in the hospital? Does he? Have I don't it? think so. I, I distinctly remember it. like why does he not have a gun? Like what's going on here? And if for a guy named Bullet, he doesn't shoot a lot of bullets. Well, it's fine. I, I, it was more impactful and exciting. I mean, I, I think a lot of it worked because it wasn't just oh, he's got to get shot at, but he can't get hit because he's the hero. So we don't have to actually worry about everything. Just felt very, very real and lived in a way that that I liked a lot. I mean, that's where it resonated. Um, I mean, but the camera lingers on his face. The very last thing is you see, kind of like almost like winces. <clears throat> I mean, he sees this guy dead. He's kind of failed because the guy can't testify. The guy can't go to jail. So Are you sure died. the guy that co- wasn't the person that was shot his cop buddy? Wasn't it his like? Not his partner. Maybe it was his partner. His the he other has guy. Two cops that work under him. But no, that cop didn't do anything. He showed up at the end. Um, he wasn't the one that got shot. Well, he has two cops that work from. One got shot in the hotel. That guy got shot. Right. The, the other guy. guy the guy he's sifting through the luggage with, and he's like, "Bag that fing- fingerprints on that." Like the other guy. I, I love how cumbersome that file. That was another yeah. scene I forgot. Like I love just how like there's just so many mundane parts of his job that he has to do, and it shows bits of them like in the midst of everything he's doing. That guy doesn't shoot at the end. It's, it's a bullet that shoots. No, does that guy get shot? Doesn't the real witness guy shoot the other dude? No, he shoots a, just a random security guard. Oh, he's, is it a random security, security guard? The security guard stops. Okay. He's trying to get him the glass door and he shoots the security guard. And then and bullet then shoots like, him. Yeah, you see everybody gawking. You hear some of the dialogue like, well, that guy's a cop. I wonder what that guy did. Or some people disperse and some people keep gawking. And he kind of reckons at the end just a little bit with what it, what he's done, his kind of his semi failure here. Um, you get one little wince in his face. I, you know, it doesn't exactly tell you how he feels. He doesn't say I'm done. We don't ever get a looks like you missed your flight, buddy. Um, how does that bullet taste? Yeah, we don't do any of that <laughs> corny stuff. Um, and yeah, maybe he he is kind of regretting how it all played out. Um, Call me Jack Bullet. Yeah. Does none of that stupid stuff. And like, it's like you're going to be late for your flight, Anthony Ross. No, I mean, none of that. None of that cornball nonsense is like, he doesn't have time for that. How many, how many real cops do one liners and say stupid shit like that? I would every time. Pull someone time over for a DUI, somebody? I'd pull, you know, do like a one liner. Oh, would you? Okay. Yeah. Well, give me what would be your first one-liner? You pull somebody over, they're speeding in the beloved city of St. Paul, and you're St. Paul, not respecting your speed limits. Uh, looks like you need to dry out in jail, pal. That doesn't even make any sense. Oh my god, that's terrible. Yeah, that's you confuse them. They'd be really confused. Like, why am I? What am I wet? Like, what are you talking about? It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, it sounds exhausting, but I get, I get in movies we're used to everybody being cooler and more clever. I'd say pal uh, a lot. It would definitely pal. Sure, but that's fine. Bub. I mean, again, I, when he spoke, Bullet was to the point. He got stuff done. He, he did his job well. I, I loved it. I mean, it's just, it is not a cop portrayal that you're going to get in, in movies. Yeah, you're really selling it to the, to the pot of dream. I don't need to sell it. That's how I feel. If you're like, I, I need a cop who's really tough and... Beefy and handsome and knows always what to say. What's a comp? What's a comp? Like another character you think is like Bullet that you would compare it to? Uh, It's just like some bland-ass dude who's like not memorable. I mean, should we go through the Paul Rudd filmography maybe to find a comparison? Paul Rudd has more charm than... than, uh, than, That's not even a very good comparison because, yeah, Paul Rudd's just a lot more charming and likable. I mean, Paul Rudd is a big box office draw because people like him, Eric. I understand you don't, but people put him in movies because he helps the movie make money, you know, even if you think he's a bad actor because people like seeing his pretty, handsome face. What's a movie where he stars that you like? I like Ant-Man. I mean, I I don't love Ant-Man. I like Ant-Man if it's just like. I like forty-year-old version, although I haven't seen it in he's a long time. He's not the star of that. Like, oh, star! You're right. He's not he's the star. He's good. He's good where he fills in and acts crazy. The Anchorman. He's great in Anchorman. Like, I'll freely admit that. 
Brian Fontana, like, I love that character. But when he's, he's just like Paul Rudd as himself as a leading person, I'm like, a hard pass for me. No thanks. Well, I like him in I Love You, Man, I think. I mean, I don't love him in that. I like him in Role Models. And if the standard just like, I mean, I don't love it. These aren't classics. These aren't, yeah, well, to see these movies. We don't need to, talk about, fun, we don't need to talk about Paul Rudd. Know, I, I don't have this a lot of too much from an action Rudd. standpoint. Um, Should we talk about THX 1138 more to really we could. Well, that's sour a, that's, my mood? That's probably the sharpest contrast we've ever had. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, look, Bullet's great. I look forward to rewatching it. I restarted it after I finished it just because I wanted to hear the intro again. That and all these, like, jazzy tunes playing throughout. I was like, oh, yeah. Late 60s, baby. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. But, all right. We got to do our five degrees, I guess we'll call it, of... of Separation from the Field of Dreams, Eric, who you got? Sure, I'll go quick. So I went with Robert Vaughn. I actually like him in this movie. I oh, think he plays he's, a great douchey he plays senator. A he gets a senator, lot of really yeah. obnoxious. And that's a trope, too, again, that like has been used a million times in other movies, but this is probably the first one. Uh, I remember him from a film called Superman 3. Okay. Have you have you ever seen Superman 3? Um, is that the one with Richard Pryor? Yep, yep. I've never seen it. Okay, and I picked Richard Pryor. Uh from Superman 3. Uh, he's in a movie called See No Evil, Hear No Evil oh. with your guy, uh, Gene Wilder, right? Oh, isn't he in that? Legend. Uh, isn't he? He's from Iowa, right? Isn't Gene Wilder from He went Iowa? to the University of Iowa. Oh, I don't right. think he's from Iowa. Um, actually, Kevin Spacey is also in that movie. Uh, real creep, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, um, yeah. He's in a movie called Swimming with Sharks. I've never seen it. It's like, seems like a, it's like a Hollywood yeah, you know, a guy holds movie. him hostage, like a guy who's like a PA, and like, yeah. I hate how you're treating me. And Frank Wally is the other guy, and he's in Field of Dreams. All right. So I also went with Robert Vaughn, Eric. Robert Vaughn is in a movie called Basketball. Have you ever seen Basketball? Is that the South Park guys movie? Yes. Yeah. I think I have it? seen it, yeah. Oh. Uh, when it like, came out, I don't remember it very well. But Oh, man. So, like, since 1999. Okay. Um that's a movie that I, I loved at the time, and I, I revisited it once and loved it then, too. There's a lot of really good parody of sports, and I think some of that stuff would really land where we're at with all the college football conference alignments and everything changing. Um, but it's maybe a different podcast. But uh, he's the jerk owner of the basketball team. He, he just plays a really great douche. So he's just like the rich guy. He's really, really obnoxious in it. Um, Ernest Borgnine is also in basketball. I don't remember who Ernest Borgnine is in basketball. It's been too long since I've seen it, but um, Ernest Borgnine also has a small role in a movie called Gattaca with Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. Uh, another movie I've seen once, I liked, but I don't think I loved. And then Uma Thurman's, of course, in Pulp Fiction with Frank Whaley, who's in Field of Dreams. So that was my, my route. We both went with Frank Whaley. Yeah, and Robert Vaughn. We both started the yeah. same way. We just took a slightly different route to get there. Interesting. Fun. Well, play at home if you if you enjoy that. Uh, all right, you ready to do a little trivia? That's, yeah, let's, I want to know for, what we're watching next. For what we're watching next. Uh, all right, so I'll, like, so give five clues. Ben, jump in and guess whenever you want, and it will reveal the movie we're watching next week. All right, clue number one. This movie takes place in the 17th century. Or 18th century, 1700s. So 1700s. 1700s, okay. 18th century. Gotcha. Okay. I'm ready for the next clue. Uh, clue number two, the movie was filmed in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Okay. Not helping? Of course not. Uh, the Now, clue number three, the original title of the movie was Skulls, but it was later changed. Okay. Not helping? Nope. All right, clue number four. The movie is directed by the same director of 10 Cloverfield Lane. I can give you his name if... Go ahead. Uh, Dan Trackenberg. Okay. Oh, okay. Is it Prey? It is Prey. Uh, so the last clue is, is it was released in 2022 and it's on Hulu. Uh, yes, it's a movie called Prey. It's a new Predator movie. Um... I was actually going to do Predator, the original, was going to be my choice, but then I watched this, and I thought, we have to pick it, so we have to do it. Okay. So, um, it, it was just released, I think, on Friday, like a week ago, 
Um, when you listen to this, it'll be out for a week or two. So it's funny. I should have uh, thought. I should have thought. It was like I thought. I've seen all the buzz coming out about Prey. I'm like, I wonder if Eric's gonna select Prey. I actually had that thought um, a few days ago. I didn't catch on. I guess I didn't realize this. 1700 is like you know very stupid U.S. centric. I was thinking of like the Patriot or something. Um, like revolutionary time, but I wasn't thinking of native people. So no, that's that's awesome. Looking forward to watching it. You excuse yep, to so it. like I said, it's on Hulu. Uh, so watch it. There's actually a Comanche version where it's all in Comanche language on Hulu. Haven't watched it yet. I think I'm going to check it out. I'm going to rewatch. The scenes are it. all the same. They just do it. Yeah, in they Comanche just dub and it. Just di- took out all the en- English because like the movie starts where it's like in Comanche, then immediately you're like, okay, now it's in English. Just like pretend it's in Comanche is kind of the idea. Oh. Um, but then there's a version where it's all they all speak their native so language. So they have to shoot the dialogue twice, or is it ADR? I, I, think, they, or? I think it was ADR. I, I listened to a podcast with Dan Trackenberg. I think he said they came back in and just redubbed it. So it may look so, weird. Uh, we'll see. There's not a ton of dialogue in the movie. I mean, the Comanche is the one that's ADR, and the English one is not. There's a the, the like standard version. They speak English. I know, but is that the one that's just that's what they filmed? They didn't yes. dub that one. Yeah, all the actors so the spoke Comanche's English. So the the one that's dubbed. Got it. Correct. Okay. Yep. Got it. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that oof, that bothers me when the lips don't match. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I haven't watched that version of it yet, but uh, highly recommend it. Uh, a couple of our buddies, our previous um, guests on the show, have done reviews and given it uh, really good reviews too. So yeah, we'll highlight that next week. But, but yeah, I heard nothing, nothing but great things about it. So. Well, do you, did you anything else you want to talk about Bullet? No, it's 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 great. Um, Eric just it's too boring for Eric, too smart for Eric. He likes something a little smarter, a little more subtle. Still has real sexy action pieces. Watch Bullet, or go watch a Paul Rudd movie. Same thing. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs>